Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. The book of Revelation scares a lot of people, but it's actually given to encourage us and to motivate us because the end is coming. Jesus said that he may come as a thief in the night, and we're going to see it in the passage we're going to read today. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says his people are not of the night. We know to expect him and we're ready. But it's really for those who don't know him that he comes as a thief in the night. And the book of Revelation, even though it seems complicated and there are so many different pictures and confusing allegories, it's not as confusing as you may think. So let me give you a big overview of the whole book to try and simplify it and help you to not be scared of the book of Revelation. The first five chapters are an introduction. The first three, he's writing to seven churches. He starts with churches because God's people live in families of other Christians called local churches. And we need that as we get ready for the end times. And as we go into the end times, we will need each other. And churches are the context. First three chapters. Then he gives two chapters, chapter four and five, where he's showing us heaven and the scroll that he's about to open with these end time predictions and seven seals on the scroll. And we look back at the book of Daniel and we see that Daniel also learnt about these end times, but he was told to seal them up. And now in these last two chapters, four and five, we see John saying, who is worthy to open the seals? Nobody's open worthy to open the scroll except Jesus and he cries and then he rejoices when he says Jesus can show us what is to come and Jesus walks with us through what is to come. Then we get a big section chapter 6 to chapter 19 of Revelation and let me make it simple for you. It is the same seven year period of tribulation repeated five times from different angles and perspectives so that we see from start to finish the seven years, then it goes again, start to finish the seven years, it goes again five times. It shows us that seven year period of tribulation. You say, why is it seven years? Because Daniel predicted so accurately it would be 483 years until Jesus came uh, from when a decree was made by King Artaxerxes to rebuild Jerusalem. And that happened to the year. And then he said, then there's a last seven years when all of this trouble happens. And that is what we are looking at in Revelation. So we know it's a seven year period. It's not much longer than that. Jesus said it would be drawn and cut short because he is looking after his people. So it's reduced. And actually only the last three and three and a half years, the second half are called the great tribulation. The first is tribulation, but the second in Matthew 24, Jesus called it the great tribulation because that is when things get really bad. So that's chapters six to 19. Uh, there are these, these different aspects. The first of the five angles looking at these seven years, he talks about seven seals being opened and he goes through them and it ends with um, kind of a, a climax at the end of Revelation 8 verses 1 to 6. Then the second angle is the seven trumpets and we see that um, in, the, in the middle of the seals and the trumpets there are little interludes 
which you can see on the diagram um, in chapter 7 of Revelation. He gives a little interlude where he talks about uh, the 144,000 Jewish people who are sealed and kept safe through the tribulation. And he talks about Christians being in heaven who've been taken out of the tribulation. And then the second angle or aspect of these seven years is the trumpets from Revelation 8 to 11, where he goes through the trumpets and what they are going to be like. There's some terrible things happening. A third of the land trees are burned. A third of the sea turns to blood and kills people uh, and kills the creatures. A third of the rivers turn bitter. A third of the sun, moon and stars are darkened. Uh, there is a demonic military locust type invasion that lasts for five months. Then a third are killed by a huge army. And this is Armageddon, which is a theme that keeps coming up throughout all five of these angles. And then there's a little gap. And then the end, the seventh trumpet in Revelation 11 is when Christ reigns. The little gap talks about um, there's thunder in heaven and a little book that John is told to eat. And it's bitter and sweet. Uh, he sees that the mystery of God is fulfilled, which means all the Jews are saved. And he sees the two witnesses, these two superhero Christians who minister in Jerusalem for the second half of the seven years, the second three and a half years. And at the end, they are killed. They lie in the streets dead for three and a half days. Everyone on planet Earth starts sending gifts and cards to each other, celebrating these two witnesses' deaths. And then the whole world sees, presumably through TV, that the two witnesses rise again and go up to heaven. Incredible stuff. And that's the very end. Uh, so that's the second angle. First was the seals. The second is the trumpets. The third angle is Revelation 12 to 14, where there's a bit of a pause and he steps back and he shows the big picture, the cosmic battle. Jesus being born, the devil trying to kill him, the devil fighting, the devil getting thrown out of heaven more than once and having different levels of authority. Um, and then it talks about the beast and his false prophet, these two people who are going to lead uh, the world astray. And it ends with uh, the 144,000 that we'd seen before the Jewish people with Christ on Mount Zion and Armageddon again. So again, we've seen the whole seven year period from the perspective of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, now the big cosmic battle. Then the fourth one is the seven bowls which we're going to look at today. And then the last one is the mystery of Babylon, the city or this world power that is uh, affecting the whole world during the seven year period. I hope you're not confused. It starts with five chapters, three about the churches, two about heaven and the scrolls. Then chapter six to 19, it's talking about five different ways we see the seven year tribulation. And then we get into chapters 20, 21, and 22, I'll just give you a, a heads up and a warning of what we're going to see. In chapter 20, we see a millennium. After Jesus comes back, we see a thousand years when the Christians are reigning with Jesus on planet earth. It's not heaven yet, it's on planet earth. And it's like the Garden of Eden has been restored again. The lion lies down with the lamb. Animals don't kill each other. They eat vegetation again. Presumably we also do like they did in the Garden of Eden. Uh, people live long. There's righteousness. There's no more sin. Uh, it's an amazing time when Jesus is ruling and reigning and we, the Christians, 
we have been taken up. As Jesus came back, we are taken up. We meet with him. We have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're given new bodies. And then for a thousand years, we reign with him on planet Earth. I wonder if you've ever heard that before, but it's in the Bible and you'll find it's all through the Bible. I'm going to show you so many different verses speaking about this millennium time. And then after that, Satan is let loose again just for a little time. And then he's destroyed. He's thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, then there's judgment day when everyone is judged. And then at the very end, we have heaven. That's the book of Revelation. And it's wonderful. You know, in Revelation, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The reason for this is to testify to Jesus, to show how great and loving and kind and patient he is. Even though he could have destroyed us many times in the past, he's been patient and waited. And even these last tri terrible tribulations are to bring the last few people who want to be saved in so that they don't have to go to hell, which was never created for humans. Matthew 24 says it was created for the devil and his angels, but humans choose not to follow God. And so they go there as well. Right. Revelation 15 and 16 talk about these seven bowls, so seven seals we've seen. And then the last of the seven seals says the seven trumpets come out of it. So then the seven trumpets come out of the last seal. And then the seven bowls are the final of the, these three uh, scenes. And the bowls are very similar to the trumpets, but worse. And so it seems like they may overlap, but they come a little bit later. And you'll see how bad they are. They have to happen in a very short space of time because the planet couldn't survive very long with the way these things happen. So first of all, he just gives us an introduction to the seven bowls in chapter 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. This is the end. It's giving us a scene right to the end. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast. So in heaven, the sea of glass and those who have the victory, that's Christians who have either died, probably died uh, and have gone to heaven and they have victory. Even though he killed them, they had victory because they didn't take his mark over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. So they're singing again and again. Every time we see heaven, we see every tribe, nation, and tongue, we see them worshiping extravagantly and emotionally and singing. And they're singing uh, this song, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. They've seen from heaven's perspective, and they see that everything God does is just and true and marvelous and good. O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. When God shows his judgments, it's to bring people to worship him. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, or the seven last bowls, clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The wrath of God is the end of these seven years. The seven bowls are called the wrath of God. And from 
the sixth seal onwards, it's called the wrath of God. It's just at the end is called the wrath of God. Everything before that is preparation for it. But God is pouring out judgment and it's going to culminate after a very short time in the judgment of the world. Final judgment day of everyone is only at the end of the thousand years, but there is an element of judgment, especially the Armageddon battle when the, the enemies of God are destroyed. Temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. No one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So let's just go through these seven bowls and you will see they're so bad that they have to happen right at the end in a very short space of time. Chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. First bowl. So he first went and poured, so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul, loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Okay, first one is a, is a sore. Verse 3, second bowl. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. It became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. This is cataclysmic. The world can't continue much longer if every living creature in the sea has died. Third bowl. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and is to be, because you have judged these things. You are righteous. It is correct. Verse 6. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Yes, when we look at God's judgments from heaven's perspective, we will see he was good and true and kind. Fourth bowl, then the fourth angel, verse 8, poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Now, the trump, the fourth trumpet, the sun is darkened. Here, uh, the fourth bowl, the sun is brightened and it scorches. So it happens, it must have happened afterwards, darkened and then brightened. Uh, and they were scorched by it. Again, the world can't continue much longer in this state. Fifth bowl, verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. The beast is still ruling and doing all his bad things. And this fifth bowl attacks him and his kingdom. The sixth bowl, verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame, and they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. So now we see this Armageddon theme. The sixth bowl is the Euphrates dries up and people are gathered together for war in a place called Armageddon. 
couple of points here. First of all, Armageddon. It's Hebrew for Ha Mountain and Megiddo, which is a place. It's a big plain uh, north of Jerusalem in Israel, and many wars have been fought there. So many wars. Um, if you look through the Bible, there there are wars in this plain again and again and again. And it's the crossroads of the earth. It's like Europe and Africa, Asia, uh, the Middle East, everything meets in this place and wars happen here. And this drying up of the Euphrates is mentioned in the seven trumpets as well. Um, in the sixth trumpet, the Euphrates dries up, an army of 200 million come across and Armageddon happens there. It's mentioned here in as the sixth bowl. It was mentioned when we looked at the beasts at the end of chapter 14. It mentioned this massive battle where there's so much blood that it, it extends for miles and miles. And the blood is spattering up to the height of a horse's bridle. Uh, and it's, it's Jesus treading out the wrath of God and putting in the sickle to judge. And this huge war, Armageddon, is right at the end. And it is a very big sign of the end. So it's mentioned in the trumpets. It's mentioned in the aspect of the beast at the end of chapter 14. We see the big Armageddon battle. It's mentioned here in the bowls. And we're going to see it's mentioned again in the next few chapters when we look at this whole time from the perspective of Babylon. We're going to see Armageddon, but it's a consistent theme which tells me these are all the same story, but told from slightly different perspectives. And Armageddon happens here. Let me just mention also verse 15, Jesus speaking right at the end, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Even at the end, in Revelation 14, we see that all the way up to the end, there are angels shouting out from heaven. They're flying across the sky, shouting out. One of them is shouting out, don't take the mark of the beast. Another one is shouting out, Babylon has fallen halfway through the seven-year period. And another one is shouting out the everlasting gospel to every tribe, nation, and tongue. And Jesus here, right at the end, right up until the moment of Armageddon, is saying, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches. He's trying to gather in the last people who want to be saved. And then the last bowl, and this is cataclysmic, verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings. Notice he says, It is done. This is the end. We saw in, at the beginning of chapter 15 that this is going to be the complete completion of the, the wrath of God. And now at the seventh bowl, he says, It is done. There's nothing more. We saw similar words being said in Revelation 11, at the seventh trumpet, he says, now the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. Uh, it's just repeating again and again. And here he says, uh, it is done. There were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So halfway through the seven-year period, the beast and the kings who've allied 
themselves with him, overthrow Babylon's power, but she remains as a, as a city until the very end, this last earthquake, she is wiped off the face of the map, whatever Babylon is. We're going to see that next week. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. What kind of an earthquake is this, that the islands disappear and the mountains sink down? You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about during the millennium, the thousand years, that the mountain of the Lord, Zion, Jerusalem, is the highest mountain on earth. And something so cataclysmic happens that islands disappear, mountains go down, and Zion is lifted up. Verse 21, And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. That's a hundred pounds weight of hail. I've seen some big hail in my life in Africa, in Texas, in various parts of the world. I've seen big hail, but a hundred pounds weight of hail is extraordinary. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. So what do we do with this, my friends? We need to see it in the context, in the big picture. We've seen it from the context of the seven seals, which are a slightly further away view, where we see it right from the start of the seven years until the end. And then the seventh seal, it, it leads into the seven trumpets, and it's more towards the end of the seven years. And we see things like uh, the trees being burnt, uh, darkness and war and, and some terrible calamities. But then we come to the very end, the bowls, and it, it's a squeezed time period, and the calamities are extraordinary. The beast, we're told, has been ruling and reigning throughout this whole time. Halfway through, he is mortally wounded. He has a head wound and he dies and he comes back to life. We're told also that the devil is thrown out of heaven halfway, nearly halfway through the seven-year period. And he can no longer accuse the saints in heaven, uh, but he can still deceive. And then we're going to see in the story about Babylon, and, and some more detail about the beast, just what he gets up to and the nations, how they conspire. And then we see Jesus coming back somewhere in this period towards the very end. Jesus comes back. There's a shout. There's a trumpet. He gathers his people. The Bible says that the dead in Christ, those who have known Christ but have died, are resurrected. And we who are still alive are caught up with them and we meet Jesus in the air and we're with him from then on forever. The Bible talks about in Revelation 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then he comes, he lands on the Mount of Olives with the 144,000 Jews who have been sealed. All of Israel is saved. And then Armageddon happens where he rides on a white horse. And then he ushers in the thousand years after this terrible cataclysmic earthquake and we're told that the, the whole earth is reshaped then a thousand years of peace comes in note that we the christians who met him in the air have been given our new resurrection bodies by then but everyone else hasn't and so we have special abilities to reign with him and he speaks of us reigning and ruling over cities so many times in the bible i don't know if it's a theme that you've noticed but we are being trained to rule and to judge. He wants us to be able to lead. He wants to know that we are faithful to him, but also that we are able to judge and lead and rule others. 
in 1 Corinthians, he says, you Christians, you can't even settle disputes, petty disputes among yourselves. How are you going to manage to rule the nations when the millennium comes? And so we rule with him for that thousand years. And then at the end of the thousand years, there is the great judgment where he judges everybody. If they're not in the book of life, then they're judged by their deeds and they're sent to the lake of fire. And then we enter into heaven forever. Now, there is a judgment seat for Christians. Paul speaks of it. He says, we all Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 3, he says that we building on a foundation of Christ, either with wood, hay and stubble or gold, silver and precious stones, and it will be tested or judged by fire. When is that judgment? It has to be before the thousand years have started when we go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's a judgment of rewards where he says, I want to reward you, but only on the things you've done for me. And if you've done bad things, you don't get rewarded for those. He says some people will get through, but they'll take no rewards with them. They'll just be able to get in to be in heaven with Jesus and in the millennium with him. But they won't have a whole bunch of rewards because they didn't do much for him. But some of us will have rewards. Some of us will shine brightly like the stars forever. Daniel chapter 12, he says, those who are wise and those who led others to righteousness will shine like the brightness of the stars forever. Friends, there's more to come. There's, there are things for us to be ready for and to be preparing ourselves for. This earth is going to last for another thousand years. It'll be changed, but it will be this earth. We will still be serving God on this earth for a thousand years. And there are great things to come. Up until then, we need to keep ourselves ready, keep our lamps full of oil so that when the bridegroom comes, we're ready for him. We are not children of the night. We are awake and we're ready for his coming. He doesn't surprise us when he comes. And I want to pray with you and for you, but also just encourage you. Let's be busy preparing ourselves, but also trying to win the lost for Christ. If you want to give your life to the Lord, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came and lived on earth. You lived a perfect life. You showed me how to live and you taught me truth. And then you died on the cross for my sins so that I could be forgiven. I confess I have sinned and I ask you to wash me clean and make me brand new. And I want to serve you and live for you all the days of my life and meet you in the air on that great day when you come back. In Jesus name. Amen. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We have a website, leadinglightsnetwork.com, that is to help you grow as a Christian, but also to help you serve God and do great things and become a leader for him, a leading light. Just like it says in Daniel, those who lead others to righteousness will shine like the brightness of the stars forever. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.